Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Jacob Albrock. Tommy Kester, this is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. He's got all the insight on what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. Sandstorm means fits. GoPowerCat.com. The man in charge there, Tim Fitzgerald, joining us here. Fitz, uh, welcome in. Happy Thursday to you. It's as probably as glum a week as we've had in Manhattan this year after a basketball loss and just an absolutely excruciating football loss. Uh, that was, God, I don't know. It's never better to get beat badly, but that would almost have been easier to swallow than the way things went down in the end there, just with the comeback and the missed kicks and then oh man, that was that's that's as tough a way to lose as as you ever see. Yeah, it was uh, it was indeed a painful stretch there. Um, I think K State fans have invested their their thoughts this morning into the K State volleyball team, which. Uh, routed number three Texas last night here in Manhattan 3-0. So uh, something good happened for K-State Nation. Fitz, you know, the the big storyline, I think, coming out of the game on Saturday against Texas, not only the big comeback in the second half, but, of course, the way that overtime played out. And and we talked about about it earlier this week. I, I really didn't have any issue with Chris Kleiman's decision to go for it on fourth down, um, you know, knowing the stakes, knowing that they were in Austin, but then at the same time, didn't love the the play call necessarily, didn't love exactly what they did on fourth down. What was your takeaway from the way that the Wildcats executed in overtime and going for it on fourth down? I, look, I, I never hesitated. I, like you're at the, what, four yard line, go for it. Right. I, you know, and the, and some of those previous plays had, had, worked they just didn't quite you know uh get the execution they needed you know a little pop pass was wide open but uh the defense got a hand up in there and knocked it down which probably saved the game uh, i had no problem with them going forward um and in fact it was an excellent play call uh but it was a predictable play call and texas predicted it it sounds like it sounds like they knew exactly what was coming by formation at the last second they flipped from man to man which is effective 
uh, is ineffective pretty much for that play call and went to his own and covered it up and and uh, you know that Will just didn't have his receiver that he thought was going to be there based on coverage that was pre-snap and it just didn't work um, and, and of course the pressure came uh, so they blew yeah. up the play and it, it was a it was a tough way for that to end uh, but boy to climb back in that game is. Uh, awful as they had played for almost two quarters or basically a quarter and a half, quarter and two thirds. And, and to get back in that game, um, even then in the third quarter, by falling back behind by 17, to, to keep clawing away and, and get it tied. It was a game full of what ifs for K-State. What if you hit the extra point? What if the fumble isn't, uh, the fumble recovery isn't overruled as a fumble? And uh, what if you catch the interception right in your chest. I mean, it was just filled with what-ifs for K-State, and I think that's what makes it so painful for fans. So afterward, for the first time, and you've seen it, certainly, Ben Sennett uh, with a with little, little, little fire coming for people who have doubted Will Howard. We, we had a long discussion about this yesterday of just it's, it's a rare time to see something like that. What did you? What is your read on that? Is that more of a? Is there? Does it have anything to do with using both quarterbacks or people talking about it? What What, what did you take from that? And you know, it, it's Will Howard's team right now because he's playing well. But do you think yeah. in that locker room there is any animosity to to using two quarterbacks, or is it more about the outside noise? What What's your feel on that? Um. Yeah. I don't know. I can't speak to that. I haven't heard of any issues in the locker room, but um, you know, the ongoing fear with the two quarterback system is eventually it does become him versus him, um, whether that's inside your locker room or not. Uh, I, I think Ben was lashing out mostly at the fans who have totally become enamored with Avery for good reason. And um, it's, it, it's gotta be stressful for Will to, you know, have, things not go quite right early in the season and, and watch everyone kind of, I'm not really turn on him, but move on from him. And uh, it, it's got to be challenging, but he has asserted himself. That was the best outcome for Will Howard was to, to get pushed by Avery, to get motivated by the fans loving Avery and, and show them that, you know, Hey, I'm still here and I'm still kind of the boss because um, he's done that. Uh, now the challenge is they've got to, they still need to find a way to use Avery that is, you know, productive for the team and not just trying to balance, you know, manage emotions or needs that what's productive for the team. And honestly, going back to the Texas game, I was shocked that they don't have apparently anything um, involving the two quarterbacks that actually challenges the defense. Sending Will Howard as a useless receiver out to the side doesn't do that. Um, it, it, surely they have something incorporated where the defense doesn't know which quarterback's doing which. Uh, and if so, they should have used it at Texas at some point, probably. You mentioned that eventually in the two-quarterback system, it becomes him uh, him versus him. Do you think that there's anything that, in retrospect, the coaching staff could have done to, I'm not saying manage the situation better necessarily, because I feel like when you've got a two-quarterback system, it's great when you're winning, but when you lose, it kind of comes back to that what if. Like, what if Avery had been in on that play? What if Will had been in on that play? Do you think there's anything that could have been done leading up to this game in managing that situation better? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that's a natural progression for fans to look at a play called for Will and realize Avery could have run it better without even connecting the dots that 
Well, the defense would have probably even been more aware of the presence of that play with Avery on the field. Um, and, and again, I, I don't mind running well. You have to keep that in your offense. Um, but the opposite's true with Avery. You need to let him throw uh, to help make his run more effective because they did not do that. But, yeah, fans have to be careful that, um, you know, they, they, they have to realize defense has changed, too, when, when quarterbacks are altered. It's a it's a situation. I've always sensed like I don't really care what you know what the fans say. K State does a good job of limiting those distractions. And again, who cares? Not not that the fans aren't important, but Colin Klein is not designing his game plans based on what the fans think. They're designing them to win games. I do wonder though, like at what point? What will be the point, Fitz? That that says, okay, now we have to start looking to the future because Will Will Howard is the present, Avery's the future. There is no debate about that. So, you know, that that loss sort of knocks them out of the ability to win a Big 12 championship. They obviously have a very important Sunflower showdown in a couple of weeks, and they want to have all the success and do everything. But at what point, as the coaches, do you have to look to the future of the program too? Well, I, I, I don't think that's here. I know um, fans are disappointed they won't get to defend their Big 12 championship in all likelihood. I mean, they're still they're not mathematically eliminated, but um, it's going to take a series of small miracles uh, to get that accomplished, to get back to Arlington. Um, but, I mean, you're 6-3 and three with uh, three winnable games uh, in a row in a bowl game. I mean, I think a 10-win season is a really notable thing that, uh, for strangers and K-State fans kind of overlook because Bill Snyder made it look so easy for a period of time, but it's it, it's a great accomplishment for a program. So to start stringing those together, I think that's really important, finishing strong. Guys, if they lose one of these games, uh, that might be it. I mean, that might be the time to go do it, but I don't see that. Um, and I, I see Avery maybe having a larger role in these three games simply because there'll be more room for error, um, and that might create uh, more likelihood of, of kind of shuffling the deck for Colin Klein, uh, particularly on Saturday. I, I think they'll just go with Will on Saturday, and if everything goes as planned and gets it opened up, they'll turn it over to Avery and let Will rest. Playing the what-if game fits back on Saturday. I mean, it's pretty easy to look at some of the woes of the special teams uh, and, and, you know, see potentially four points on the board, the botched extra point, and then the missed field goal late in the game. Do you have any ongoing concerns with the way that the special teams unit uh, performed on Saturday and what things look like moving forward? Yeah, it was such a mixed bag for special teams for K-State because let's not forget the, the block punt changed the momentum of the game um, in K-State's favor and, and got them on the board, helped get them on the board uh, before halftime, you know, instead of being down 17 nothing that would have still felt acceptable because honestly it could have been like 28 or 35 to nothing the way Texas had moved the ball early in the game. Um, but to get that block punt, that was significant. And yet within that block punt, it showed the inexact nature of K state special teams right now, because uh, K state is known for the scoop and score and the ball's rolling through the open field and uh, you know, with an opportunity to recover it, um, and someone dives on the ball instead of picks it up. 
you know, this is a fumble where if you don't pick it up right and they recover it, they get the ball back. This is going to be your ball unless they pick it up and advance it. Uh, so you try to scoop and score, and it was a real big opportunity. So I think even in a good moment, there was something that didn't quite go right. Uh, the, the biggest thing in special teams that really hurt K-State was Xavier Worthy. I had two punt returns for 52 yards, 26 apiece. Um, and to get that kind of uh, field position movement, this really puts you at a disadvantage. And, and that's the type of thing K-State's done to opponents in the past. And they have a completely ineffective return game right now. Always. Yeah, it, it was very unusual. All right, one more, Fitz, before we switch over to hoops and we look ahead to Baylor. I mean, is there any chance Baylor does something annoying here? Like, it doesn't it doesn't feel like that's really possible. I know anything's possible. KU looms in a couple of weeks, but I mean, let's yeah. be real. This should be a this should be a get right game for K State. Well, and and not only is K State favored by you know three touchdowns in this game, it's just not a good matchup for Baylor. Um, K State's defense is playing extremely well right now. Um, Blake Shapin's actually been effective throwing the ball. Their, their passing offense is good, but guys, their their run defense is 13th in the conference against Kansas State's you know, second-rated rush offense, and that just seems like a matchup reminiscent of what K-State did to UCF and just kind of controlled the ball and um, demoralized the opponent. Uh, but Shapin can toss it around. Ask UCF in that rally. He really got after it. So if you open up that door, um, it can be a lot of problem. But, yeah, you're, this isn't even a good matchup for Baylor on top of being a huge underdog. Let's talk a little bit about K-State basketball fits. Uh, probably the most marquee matchup uh, on the opening night for college basketball around the country. Neutral court, the Wildcats taking on uh, Andy Infield's USC team. Ranked in the top 25. And, you know, I felt like I know Jerome Tang mentioned after the game that he didn't feel like the Wildcats really took bad shots, but it was more just to the fact that those shots weren't falling. I thought USC looked pretty good, but then I also walked away from that game thinking, I think that Kansas State is going to be just fine. What was your major takeaway from the opening night loss against USC? Yeah, um, USC was clearly the better team. Uh, and let's let's be really honest here, K-State, didn't play well in many areas of the game. I mean, you shoot it that poorly. You have defensive breakdowns. They do. Um, didn't particularly take care of the ball very well. And yet you're, you know, in single digits in the final minutes of the game, you end up losing by 13. Honestly, USC didn't play well either. I mean, they, they did some really good things, but they also, I don't even think, were close to their ceiling. Uh, that's going to be a really good team as they put everything together. Uh, but the fact that I think what after, you know, sitting here and, and really thinking about that game, the fact that K-State was competitive in that game shows that um, their ability to really play hard through other troubles is a good trait. It's a, it's a brilliant trait to have. And uh, they did. They, they, the fact that they had more offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds um, is an indication that they were getting after it. Uh, as I said on radio yesterday, uh, the only problem with being a team that can't shoot the ball well and getting an offensive rebound is you get an opportunity to miss it again. And, and they did that quite well because they they had 30, uh, what was it? I can't remember the number, but they had a ton of offensive rebounds at only 15 second chance points. So they missed opportunities there. And it's so just, if been, to- uh, you know, that's the way it goes. I mean, you, you just got to control what you can control, and sometimes the ball doesn't go in. 
I think that I think that concern comes and look, I'm not concerned about K-State basketball. I love that they played that game. I love everything about it. I think it will help them. But if I have a an overall concern, it's not all that different than before we saw them play that game. What happens if Tyler Perry doesn't score, which we saw in the first half? Wasn't shooting it well. Who's going to step up? Cam Carter tried in that game. Is that a trend you expect to continue, or will somebody else, or who would that be? Kaluma looked a little out of sorts. Maybe it's him. But where is that secondary offense coming from? Last year, it was one of two guys, right? It was either Noel or it was Keontae Johnson. Well, if it's not Perry, who is it? Or does this team just look different this year? Well, we you know we have track record on Perry and Kaluma, and they can score. Um, I think Arthur made one of his first shots in the game, and then was one of eleven at the end of the night. Um, Cam Carter, uh, everyone said, has developed into a really good, fluid scorer, and he was um, you know struggling to shoot the ball. Those three put together were ten of forty-four, um, and I'm gonna tell you that's just that's not gonna happen again. Um, that's an outrageously bad stat uh, from guys that have proven that they can shoot the ball. So I think they'll be fine. Uh, yes, they could really use Naquan Tomlin, but we still don't know if that's going to happen. We'll we'll find out more on that later. Are you uh, – I, I keep using the word concerned, and I don't think concern is the right word, but as far as what Arthur Kaluma did in, in game one with the Wildcats, I think he was, what, one of 11 shooting from the floor. I mean, he's not going to do that every single night. Do you just attribute that to first game with a, a brand-new team and just something that he'll just need to settle in more down the road? Yeah. I mean, you got a bunch of guys that really are learning to play with each other, and it, you know, suddenly they lose Naquan Tomlin, and now they've lost um, um, Keith Glover that uh, – excuse me, Quez Glover that uh, they were counting on. And um, – so now, you know, they're reinventing themselves on the fly. Guys, I love Jerome Tang's comments after the game. Well, we knew we were going to uh, have some problems, and we learned a whole lot about what we need to go to practice to work on. Um, I don't think he was surprised his team came up short in that game because he he had scouted USC and knew that they were going to be pretty good. Uh, and I think all of us who were reporting on the game thought K-State would lose. We just didn't imagine K-State having that level of troubleshooting the ball. Okay, so let's talk about scheduling that kind of game. I, I think that in this new Big 12, we'll probably see more of this, don't you? Like, for, there's no risk for K-State to play that game. That game will not hurt their resume at all. There's no risk. No. Do you think in this new no. Big 12 that we'll get a little bit more of that? I hope we will. Bill Self's always scheduled tough early, and we know why, right? Because it makes his teams better. K-State scheduled this game for one reason, and they thought USC would be even better with Bronny James than they were, but like that would be such a boon for college basketball to get those kinds of games two, three nights a week in November, to, I, I, I think. But I do think we're going to see more of that moving forward because – any team in the Big 12 is going to have on the plate whatever it needs to get done to get into the tournament and the conference. There's no risk in doing it. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, football and basketball are different beats. And, and basketball, you can afford the high-profile losses, you know, the, the, the strong B6 losses uh, on that schedule. Uh, it boosts your, your schedule. At your power ratings and all that. Uh, there's really, you're right. There's no downside to scheduling those games. Uh, and uh, I'm, 
I'm happy that K-State now with Jerome Tang is getting those opportunities because, let's be honest, uh, K-State was in that game simply because of what they accomplished in year one of his his coaching tenure at Kansas State. Uh, He raised the profile of the program so quickly that uh, they were invited to a high-profile type of game to go play. Uh, I guess the opponent, honestly, I think a lot of teams shied away from playing because they saw less value in it. Jerome Tang saw the value of uh, getting under the bright lights and going on the road and playing in Las Vegas and playing a good team. And um, he lost, but now, like he said, we'll find out what they fixed Friday night when they return to Brownwood's Coliseum. All right, Fitz, what do you guys have going at Go Power Cat? It's the busiest time of year. Yeah, it's the crossover, so we got a little bit of everything going. Uh, we got the pregame podcast up. The Friday walkthrough goes up at midnight, uh, so you can catch those at Go Power Cat or YouTube or your your favorite uh, podcast platform, uh, and just tons of coverage coming from my team. There's just so much stuff going up on the side. It, it gets a little overwhelming, I think, for folks, but it, we're having fun covering two really fun programs, and uh, now to you know have volleyball do what it did. Uh, K-State fans are kind of lifting their heads and looking forward instead of pondering what happened over the last, you know, Saturday through Monday stretch. All right. At Life of Fitz on social media, all the work at GoPowerCat.com. Enjoy the week. The big one next week, Fitz. Uh, well, let's talk again next week. That sounds great, boys. Great to hear from you. There goes Tim Fitzgerald, our K-State insider. You can find him every Thursday here on Sports Daily. Love hearing from Fitz, getting that perspective there. Uh, We'll come back. We've got an HTO giveaway coming this hour. We'll look ahead to the Shockers tonight as well, a big second game. Uh, It does feel big. It feels big in the second game, I think, for Wichita State. Can they follow up on the buzz from the first game? We'll find out tonight. It's next on Sports Daily. phone call is welcome 869-1240 sports daily on 97.5 and 1240 kfh wichita's number one sports radio dude you gotta hear this this. go ahead i think i want to hear this sports daily is on kfh All right, welcome back in, everybody, to Sports Daily here. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor with you on this Thursday. Glad to be here. Appreciation of Tim Fitzgerald. You can always go back and listen to anything you missed with our conversation with Fitz at kfhradio.com and for free on the Odyssey app. Just sort of looking ahead here, Tommy, to the Shockers tonight. Um, you know, Western Kentucky, don't know a lot about them. Uh, you know, what, what, what are they this year? Well, I can tell you that they, you know, played a nobody and scored 90 points in a win over I think it's like Kentucky Wesleyan. So I they're not their Ken Palm preseason is not very good, but it is a program that's traditionally been good. So I don't think we worry as much about that probably. But it, I mean I could sit here and try and break down why it'd be a total farce. I don't know anything about Western Kentucky. Wichita State though needs to be the focus and what do they do? Right? What are they what are they able to expand upon from what they did in the opener? I think becomes it. Can they defend again at that level? We know Lipscomb was missing its top scorer, but can you, you know, hold them down, Western Kentucky, I mean, the way that you held down Lipscomb? That would probably be my biggest thing to look for. And then the other thing is the point guard position. I mean, I think in these early games, Tommy, and it's going to take a little while, watching that spot on the floor 
is going to be about the most important thing. Yes, we want to see Colby Rogers follow it up with a performance like he had. Yes, we want to see this sort of twin tower offense thing. I think those are all pretty likely to happen. What we don't know is what kind of defense they'll play and what's going to happen at point guard. I think those become the big things to watch in these early games. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I understand how it's going to take a little bit of time, uh, I would imagine, for really to, you know, to see if it's going to be Xavier Bell running the point. Um, how long it's going to take to really have him settle into that role. I thought that he came out on Monday with doing a great job from the get-go. Yeah. Um, you want to see that followed up with another good performance running the point tonight. And then I think that at that point, you, you should feel pretty confident about him being the floor general for this team moving forward. And and they're really I didn't have a lot of bad thoughts about him doing that on Monday night. I felt like he held on to the ball pretty well. No, he only turned it over once. Yeah, it was pretty efficient and and didn't there really wasn't anything that I watched from him where I thought, oh, I don't know if that's going to be effective for him to run the point for this team moving forward. Now again, backing it up with another good performance tonight, I think that's going to be key. Well, and Harlan Beverly too, who did not take care of the ball well uh, in the game. I mean, those are your two guards right now. Uh, B-Day looks like he is the clear sort of sixth man, and then and then that's probably going to be it for a minute here is, is those six guys and then, you know, some rotating in at, at some other spots. But I don't think for any extended minutes, Dalen Riginal was the player that they've got the most minutes. They, ran a, they basically ran a seven-man rotation. I don't know how much that's going to change other than Germany getting in if Ballard or Poto, you know, need him to. But a B-Day kind of backed up Ballard, right? Like, so... I, you know, I, I think their rotation is is looking pretty good. Um, it does come a bit. And I love, by the way, that it becomes about Xavier Bell early. It's the local guy. Like, we have a vested interest in that anyway. And, you know, if he p- continues to play like he did in the opener, you want to talk about, like, a jump for him. Like, that's a massive jump for him. And the Shockers have got to have it. So we'll see. They took care of the ball well against Lipscomb. So, you know, from a betting perspective tonight, you've got the Shockers at seven and a half point favorites. Um, which you know looks fine to me. I, I you know I'd be fine taking a taking a swing at that, just not knowing anything about Western Kentucky. The over unders at one forty five and a half. I was all over the under in the opener. I would probably lean to the over in this one. I think because we know Lipscomb got it pretty close without their leading scorer, and that's why I say I I, I want to see the defense. But if I was taking a one way or the other on that. I, I would probably lean to the over tonight and the Shockers to cover. Yeah, one other thing that we didn't really talk about a whole lot after their opening night game against Lipscomb was how well the Shockers rebounded on Monday night. They had 51 rebounds. That's the key. 13 yeah. offensive boards. And you know, so the, and I know that Lipscomb missed quite a few shots to set up those rebounds for Wichita State, and I don't know if you can really expect that uh, tonight against Western Kentucky. But if the Shockers can continue to hit the boards well— uh, I mean, I, again, I think that's going to be another big key to victory for them, not just in this game tonight, but again, moving forward in the non-conference and so on. And, and having guys like Kenny Poto and Quincy Ballard and Isaac Abide active in the post, it's going to help that uh, significantly. That's going to be the identity of this team, I think, if they're going to be successful, uh, and, and I think that they will be, that will be their identity is going there they're, if they, and, and we said this after that game, if they can out-rebound people, the way that they did, and, and it's obviously not going to be that skewed, but if they can win rebounds every night, they're going to be pretty good this year. I mean, it, because 
as much as you need the other things, y- scoring gets easier when you have offensive rebounds, right? Defense gets easier when you don't let the other team have second chance opportunities. Like all the things that we don't quite know about get easier if you rebound well. And if they're going to play Poto and Ballard, they're going to rebound well. And a B-Day in there. Like they've got some dudes that are going to rebound. And that will be a strength of this team. And what will be really interesting is when we get to the games against like Mizzou, K-State, KU, can they win those kinds of rebounding battles? Right? Can you, you know, can you win a rebounding battle against a team like Kansas? That's what, you know, that that means you're a dominant rebounding team, which they were against Lipscomb. And if they get to be a dominant rebounding team, I, I think ahead to the conference, and and that does get pretty, like, that gets pretty appetizing to your point earlier in the week that you think they can contend for an AEC championship. I don't know, I don't know how to even judge that yet. Uh, we did see, by the way, uh, speaking of the AAC, we did see FAU pick up a nice win at Loyola Chicago last night. They ended up winning that game by 13, and SMU uh, is out to a nice start, too. Um, and, and there's quite a bit of American action tonight, by the way. But, you know, I I think if they can, if that becomes a point of emphasis for them, and it's not just they're good at it, we know they're going to be good at it. They're running two seven-foot-tall dudes out there. They're going to be a good rebounding team. But if they become a dominant rebounding team, sky's the limit. I, I really think it is because that that's something you don't you don't see a ton of anymore in college basketball. And I do think if you you know if you're gonna struggle a little bit shooting the ball, which we think could be something that happens this year, we could be proven wrong on that, then rebounds become everything. The Shockers have not been the best rebounding team in the last three or four years. And had they been, they would have won a whole lot more games. So I, I yeah, I think that's something that, that will become Become crazy. They're going to win most of these rebounding games early. Don't yeah, it, like they're going right. to out rebound everybody until they get to those big dogs, and and, yeah. and that's where you really get to see it. And I do think that especially during the non-conference, you know, you can compensate for any other kinds of struggles if you rebound right. well, right? And so that's going to be super important for them. They've got to they've got to take care of the basketball, uh, and that's just in general, right? Like you you cannot afford to turn the ball over. Western Kentucky, by the way, in their opening game, granted against what Kentucky Wesleyan was who they played, uh, Western Kentucky had nine steals in that game. So they got after it defensively. And so for Paul Mills's team, he's going to have to you know, make sure that they're taking care of the basketball. And again, that's where, you know, circling back to Xavier Bell, where I was impressed with him in that opening game against Lipscomb, he did take care of the basketball. And there have been too many times that you know, whoever has been running the point for Wichita State hasn't really done that. They turned the ball over far too much a year ago, just in general. Yep. So having Xavier Bell take care of the basketball and give this offense opportunities without having to worry about turnovers quite as much, you know, if they can do that and then, of course, rebound on the other end of the court and get after it on the offensive boards if they're not shooting the ball well. All well, those both things, of those things combined, right? Exactly. No turnovers those, and out-rebounding. Right. All those things are going to be the recipe I think for a lot of non-conference success. And it, look, it's one game against Lipscomb. So, you know, I mean, you just can't take too much away from that. But you can see it, right? You can see that this is going to be a good rebounding team. I mean, that's going to happen. Are they good related to the American? That's what we don't know yet. We'll find out. But they're going to be good in, in these non-conference games. They're just going to be bigger than everybody. If they take care of the ball with that, and that's what we'll watch for. That's why I say watching the point guard is sort of the thing to do here early. 
now you're really cooking with gas because you're just not allowing teams to to beat you basically in that way. And and if they don't shoot well, they don't shoot well, and it doesn't really it doesn't matter nearly as much. I don't know. I mean, we're you know we're at least I am, and you know as far as the X's and O's, I try to simplify things as much as I can, and of course it's not that simple. Um, and we haven't had enough time to watch this team, watch Paul Mills to know much else. But, you know, of the basics that we can look at, that's sort of where we're looking. You'll hear that game over on KEYN tonight, of course, home of Shocker Athletics. It is a 5.30 pregame beginning against Western Kentucky, and then we will have uh, we will have the game tipping at 6.30. It's another 6.30 tip. Um, so an opportunity here. Uh, I think an opportunity, you know, uh, off the court and in the facility on a Thursday night, maybe a little bit easier than that Monday night was. So, you know, we suspect a, a rowdy and, and pretty good crowd here early in November uh, to see the Shockers play tonight. But uh, we're excited about it. Shocker basketball, of course, over on KYM. We'll talk all about it tomorrow, but that's coming up later tonight. There aren't a lot of headline games tonight. In fact, this is probably one of the more interesting games of the night. Um, not really any, like, top 25 matchups or anything like that happening. Uh, there is other action in the American tonight that we'll watch, but everybody's a pretty heavy favorite. Tulane plays Northwestern State, South Florida plays South Carolina State, and SMU plays Lamar. And then, of course, you got the Shockers in Western Kentucky, uh, which is a tidy little seven-and-a-half point spread. I don't. There's no player props out yet, so we can't get into that. I, I'm going I'm to be all over those player props. i gotta, I got to get a look at them. They, they don't come out typically till closer to tip time, but— the only, uh, uh, by I, the way, the only I top, love it. the only top twenty-five game that uh, I'm gonna keep an eye on, I think, is Michigan State, the number four team in America, bouncing back yeah, after their lost. loss. They're playing know, Southern <laughs> Indiana. I feel kind of bad for Southern Indiana because you know Tom Izzo is not happy, and he's gonna have but his we, team we get we after see it tonight. This every year, we see this every year. Michigan State will struggle through it, and then by the end of the year, they'll be in the Sweet Sixteen. Like that's that's just what they do. I mean, Tyson uh, Walker, they, by the fine. way, for Michigan State scored thirty-five points in that loss the other night, uh, and so if he went off for thirty-five in the loss, I can't imagine what he's gonna do tonight against Southern Indiana. I'm sure Tom Izzo would like that to be spread out a little bit more, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, I I guess I just after that loss, it's like, are they really a top twenty-five team right now? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, early season stuff again. They're like they're like the Big Twelve. It's not going to hurt them. They'll have enough going in the in the conference that they'll be just fine. Eight six nine twelve forty. The IHOP hotline is open, and let's uh, use it now to give away a little HTO. Uh, so. Uh, by the way, you can get 30% off of Pelican Cooler products, your homebrew tea bags, uh, and some of the water fillers that are in there. But we're going to give you a free iced tea card, more than 25 flavors that'll be good for Wichita's east or west locations or in Derby. And we'll give you an HDO Brew House card, which is all the coffee, espresso offerings, iced hot, uh, a lot of options, all the milk choices, everything you'd find anywhere. You can get a free one of those as well. Those are good for HTO in Wichita at the East location and then in Derby. Let's do the first caller, Jad, on that IHOP hotline, 869-1240. We'll get you a winner there, Tommy, and I'll come back. More Sports Daily right after this. 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Primetime NFL games from Westwood One available live for free right here on KFH and on the Odyssey app. Tune into KFH tonight for Thursday Night Football, Carolina at Chicago, or simply download the Odyssey app and search for KFH at kickoff. 
Congratulations to Nathan for winning the HTO giveaway. We'll have more movie tickets, more HTO to give away tomorrow. My Paul Savage in to make some picks tomorrow as well. Uh, that IHOP hotline is back open the rest of the way for us here. IHOP welcoming veterans and active duty military with free red, white, and blueberry pancakes to thank them for their service on November 11th. Um, all right, Tommy, this Michigan thing, now they're firing back and saying Ohio State and Rutgers have done the same thing. Not the same thing, but have shared their signals with, I think, Purdue in the past. Those coaches are mad. I, I honestly, like, I am at a total loss for this story. I don't know what you do. I think, doesn't the decision come today from the league? Um, I, I'm just ready for that so we can be done with this. Like, it's just, it's not that interesting to me. I know it has the nation enamored. I don't want them to cheat. If they cheated, I want them punished. But I really, like, this feels like a bunch of inflated college football coaching egos, like, flexing on each other right now. Well, yeah, and on top of that, Michigan issued a, a statement or sent a letter to the Big Ten talking about they needed to be very careful in how they proceed on this because uh, the precedent for punishment and, all I mean, all of this stuff, this is going to end up in court, right? Like, this is going to end up... As a, I think so. I mean, because like, look, if the Big Ten comes down and says, Jim Harbaugh, you are suspended, the most that we can do is two games based on our bylaws, is, is have you set out for two games. You know, Michigan's not going to stand for that. And the letter that they sent to the Big Ten proves that they're going to probably try to go to a judge to like prevent that from happening. And like, there's going to be mediator. a lot that, yeah, there's going to be something that happens where like, I don't have, I don't believe that Jim Harbaugh is going to set out a single game this season because Michigan will do everything in their power to make sure that that does not happen right away. Um, and it's going to run through the offseason. There's going to be, like I said, you know, court issues and all of that. Like, I think this is going to take a while to get resolved. Why would anybody want to coach in college over uh, the NFL? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't get, it. I mean, I get it in, in some places. Like I get it in the teams that we follow in Lawrence and in Manhattan and like the appeal of all that. But man, when you get to the level where Jim Harbaugh is and he's the good example, cause he's had NFL success. Why would you ever choose all this over just going to the NFL and coaching? I, I don't get it. I've never understood it for the guys that like both do both. Well, like he's restored Michigan to its former glory, all those things. Like the amount of stuff college coaches deal with, versus the NFL seems immensely higher. You're never not recruiting. You're always having to deal with that. You're having to deal with these things. I just like, I, I don't know, man. Like to me, like all of that stuff, if you're just a coach that likes to coach, you can eliminate a lot of that stuff if, if you're in the NFL. And I have, I've never understood sometimes why, especially the guys who, who are always in the middle of it, right? Like Jim Harbaugh is always yeah. in the middle of it. Yeah. Like, I, I, don't, I don't get it. So uh, the letter that, that Michigan sent to the Big Ten, uh, it was put together with input from the Board of Regents for the University of Michigan and uh, outside counsel also helped put it together. I think kind of laying the groundwork for, hey, you know, Big Ten, if you do anything to Jim Harbaugh right now, you better believe that we're going to take this to court. And in fact, I'm reading the ESPN article about it right now. A source told ESPN on Wednesday night, the quote was, we're not bringing a knife to a gunfight. So this is going to be a probably a long-term, like prolonged legal battle that, you know, even if the Big Ten comes down and says, we're, we're, we're going to suspend you, Jim Harbaugh, you're out for two games, the most we can do. I can't see Michigan letting that stand. They're going to go to battle on this. 
that yeah look i i don't care hey, let me let me get to the crux of it for me i don't care nothing is like college athletics in that people have a very inflated view of what people nationally care about like i see all the reaction from the michigan people now and like it's just like like anybody cares that you're going to stand up for Michigan and like try to boycott people that are, you know, going after Michigan. Like nobody cares that you're doing that. Like, why do you feel it necessary to do that? Because colleges are such massive things regionally, but that's kind of it for the most part, right? Like we love the games themselves, but like all the traditions and all the stuff, like it means more to you because you probably paid to go to school there. I get it. And I love it, by the way, love college tradition and all that. But sometimes I think there's this inflated view of how much people here care about what's going on in Michigan or how much people, you know, how much like somebody saying, well, I'll never support your business again if you keep advertising on ESPN because one of their people said that they don't like that they think Michigan should be punished. Okay, <laughs> go for it. Like, <laughs> great, yeah, good for you. I saw a, uh, I think you're referencing, there's a, a guy that, I think he was on like CNN or MSNBC or something like that. I don't know. As a political is. contributor or commentator. Uh, and, you know, clearly he's a Michigan guy because he went off on yeah, like wanting man. ESPN to fire Paul Feinbaum for the comments that Feinbaum made about Michigan and basically saying that he was going to boycott who did he say? Like Home Depot, I think, because Home Depot is a big college football <laughs> sponsor. It's like, okay, I'm pretty sure that Home Depot is they're going to be just be fine, right. buddy. Like they, they'll be all right. They'll be okay. It's it's just funny to me. Like, why is it? Why, like, just disagree with Fa Paul Feinbaum. Yeah, I right? just disagree with him. Like, what, what, are you going to like? I disagree with go... Paul Feinbaum 95 percent of the time. He's you know he's an SEC guy. You know I don't like yeah. the bias that he has against the SEC. So yeah, like I don't agree with him a lot. But I'm not calling for ESPN to fire him and then boycott the different sponsors. But, but Tommy, that they, like, like that... the other part of it is who cares if you are calling for that? Right, for sure. Nobody like, does. Nobody cares, and that's and I think it happens all the time. And Michigan is is a place where it happens. Maybe more than others. Like this is a Michigan man. Nobody cares. Yeah. We like that matters to you guys, and that's it. Like you're the only people that matters to. Um, so I I don't know. Sometimes like these these people like they come in so hot and aggressively, and you're like, what what are you yelling at me for? Yeah. Like, call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. And nobody, nobody, you know, well, you're, they're you're just misguided. They're shouting into the abyss, you know, hoping that yeah. somebody pays attention to them. And um, I, I guarantee these different places are going to be just fine, whether or not you support them. I don't know what comes of this. I honestly couldn't even give you a good guess. Don't know. Uh, is Michigan the only one bending the rules in signal stealing? No, certainly not. Did they take it too far? It would appear so. Do they need to be punished for it if that's the case? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I don't Unequivocally, remember, yes. I don't remember which uh, coach said this, but there was a coach one time uh, that had a quote, something to the effect of, you know, out of 10 teams, nine of them are cheating, and the 10th one is losing. You know, and so it's, uh, I mean, I this right now Michigan is the one front and center in all of this. Um, but, I mean, I've watched enough, you know, reports of all of this that it leads me to believe that they're not the only program that you know they're trying to find a competitive advantage and i'm not excusing their behavior what they've done they're just the first ones to get called out for it at at this this level yeah so you know if you're gonna bend the rules you can't get caught and they got caught and you get your hand in the cookie jar and somebody you know catches you you're gonna get in trouble for it that's I, i you know i'm not being naive to what happens in college athletics but you got caught and and you took it to a level that was probably out of the norm. And so we got to take your licks here. If that's the case, the problem with this situation is you've got to have definitive proof and all of these things if you're going to make a quick decision now. And it is impacting potentially the national championship picture. The easiest thing for the Big Ten, the easiest thing for the CFP and everybody is if Michigan takes a loss or two here to Penn State and Ohio State. That makes everything much easier for them. The pressure then is off. Right? Like, are we are, are people really going to get upset if Michigan's not playing in the Peach Bowl? Like, nobody cares at that point, right? It's only because they are a contender for a national right. championship. And you've got all of these different entities potentially at play. You've got the Big Ten and what they might want to do. You've got the CFP and what they might want to do. You've got the NCAA and what they might want to do. And, and all of this you've got is ESPN kind of, it's kind and of, what they might want to do. It's kind they of don't broadcast Big right. Ten games. You know, you've got the networks that are spending all this money on the media rights deals. All of this is swirling, and so, man, I don't. I think that we're a long ways away from any kind of resolution. Even if the Big Ten makes a decision, I guess on punishment today, we're a long way from this being over. And I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't even have a guess. I don't even have a guess. We'll come back. We'll tell you where you can find several different programs tonight on our family and networks as we wrap up a Thursday on Sports Daily. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.